a haircut? No, I don't think so. Yeah, he just pushed it back a little bit. You know, I, I was listening to Jim Wonis and Tyler's. Oh, wait, hang podcast. on now, because we started already. Oh. I hit record because I wanted people to see Jonah over there moving his tree. <laughs> so we are live here on Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. Uh, I don't know, just thought we'd have a little fun. I'd, I'd give everybody a, an unannounced start there. You know what this reminds me of? When I was in college working on the school newspaper, right outside where we were, our little newsroom was the Dungeon and Dragons or Magic the Gathering, whatever it was. And we'd be like putting the paper out and you'd hear them outside and be like, I just uprooted a tree. And you'd look out like, there's no tree. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I just uprooted a tree. Dungeons and Dragons guy, Gerald? No. Don't even know what that is. What is it? No. Dungeons and Dragons is uh, like a, a game you play with dice, and it's all in, in it's imaginary, and there's mat, you know, your druids and uh, orcs and all kinds of things. I was into it because my older brother and his friends were into it. I think they did it the right way. I was too young to know, and so me and my buddies would get together and kind of try to play it, and then we'd end up, you know, was there any money involved playing catch? No, but I'm sure that there's there are ways to make money involved. No shot. These are these the these aren't these aren't the dice that you're that you were throwing at Alabama. These were like there is a four sided die and an eight sided die and a twenty sided die, and you roll the dice and you determine what happens. Whatever the dice comes up, uh, that's that's what happens. Sounds like fun. That I didn't have. And, and, no. No, Not that's too much. That's too much fun. No money in it. I'm out. It's really just video games without a television. Yeah, no money. That's Gerald's problem there. Yeah, no video games, no imagination. Right. Money wasn't involved. Nothing that captures Gerald's imagination is he. He's not into anything. It all has to just be You know, all See? visceral stuff. Stuff that just get you. You know, playing football, throwing dice, gambling. Yep. Rock, paper, scissors for a, a dollar. It's all in it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, thanks, everybody, for coming back uh, to Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK. We haven't had Gerald Dixon on for uh, a little bit uh, because, uh, well, we got jammed up, or at least I sh I'll, I'll say I did. I don't want to throw this at anybody else's feet, but I had a – I had a kind of a crazy end of the week last week, and uh, we had to scrub one of the shows. We're going to make up for it this week with uh, bonus episodes. Um, Bucky Gleason uh, is a scheduled uh, guest for later in the week. Nice. And we're going to have uh, Joel Staniszewski. Uh, we had to cancel Joel on, on Friday, too. We didn't get Joel's picks. Um, but anyway, we're back in full force, and we have Gerald Dixon, former – Alabama Crimson Tide cornerback. He's making time for us uh, on the day that his team, his alma mater, is about to play for yet another national championship against Ohio State. We'll get into that a little bit later, but let's uh, jump right into it with uh, Jonah Bronstein of uh, the Bronstein Concern and uh, Matthew Fairburn, also the athletic. The Bills uh, are going to play the Baltimore Ravens in round two of the NFL playoffs. That game's going to be Saturday night. Um, 
throw it out to the group. We'll start with Gerald. Uh, just your general thoughts on this matchup and how uh, how it looks for the Bills overall. You know, it's a playoff. It's playoffs football, so every matchup is going to be difficult, right? The difficulty in this one is stopping Lamar from running the ball and having explosive plays. And I remember they played him a couple of years ago, closer than I thought he was going to be, but. That's now on Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott to come up with a game plan to negate. Hey, Gerald, um, check your microphone. It's I, It doesn't sound as clear as uh, as normal. All right. We plugged in and everything. And Am I good now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So are you? am I clear now with you? Oh, yeah, you're great. All right. So just getting back to it, it's now stopping almost a triple option game plan that the uh, Baltimore Ravens have and if you look at some of the teams that's done a pretty good job against them it's almost lining up in a six across the board and forcing Lamar to hand the ball off so when you when you have those type of matchups and it's the playoffs to me I look at it as the Bills favor because they can score points their run defense has gotten better Tremaine Edmonds has played maybe his three best games that I've seen since he's been with the Buffalo Bills. He looks a little bit more healthy. He's flying around. He's 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 tackling fairly well. And to me, that this is just this is playoff football that we all should love and be ready for. Because no none of these teams are easy wins. Yeah, I think Lamar Jackson, the way that he's playing right now, presents quite a few problems but he also you know has the bills have shown that they can handle him a little bit they did it last year when he was playing even better than he than he is right now uh he had like 40 40 some odd rushing yards in that game there haven't been too many quarterbacks that have gotten loose against the bills running the ball but gerald i'm curious what you think about when you flip it over to the other side, because when I've looked at the Ravens all year as a potential matchup for the bills in the playoffs, I've wondered about that Ravens defense, which dominated Josh Allen last year. He's obviously a much different player this year, but when you watch them play defense, what type of challenge do those corners and does that front present for this bills offense? Well, if, when you start up front, you've got two guys on the edge that can, present problems to your tackles and then your interior guys are big firm strong guys that you typically don't get any movement with them and at their second level well the rookie Patrick um, Queen he's he's a guy that can truly spy Josh and has enough athleticism and speed to negate some of that zone read and and quarterback runs that Josh um, truly have but when you look at their back-end guys and you start doing the matchup they have corners that can match up one-on-one -on -one with Cole Beasley John Brown and Steph but the mismatch comes in when you have to bring in that fourth cover guy and like I've been saying all year I think Gabe Davis is the answer to majority of the problems that the Bills are going to face going throughout the playoffs because I don't see four guys on any team going forward that can line up and play the Bills when they go to a four receiver lineup. So that's where I think they can have 
a little bit of a change up in a and an answer for what the Ravens are going to do when they come out and do match up with their three guys of Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. The fourth guy is going to have to be he's going to be a problem because I think Gabe is better than their fourth cover guy. How does that factor if the case, which wasn't true this past game, Cole Beasley or Stephon Diggs or John Brown, if one of those four receivers can't play, how does that change this advantage that the Bills might have with a really good fourth receiver? Well, they just made a move and picked up Kenny Stills, right? So still yet you have a guy that can vertically stretch the field. How he, good is Kenny Stills, though? He was, he was still on the street for a reason. Um, how good is he? He's as good as the fourth cornerback that the Ravens have. At the end of the day, that's what you got to go with, and he can still run, right? So long as you present. I don't know. So, I mean, we haven't seen him for a while. Can he still run? I'm going to say he can still run. I'm going right. to say the only reason why you picked that guy up because you've you seen him run. And the last time that he was playing, it's not like he was a complete dud. But being well, on the street. Was. He's only 28. Right. He had being like, on the what, street, 11 catches this year? You said what now? I think he has like 11 catches this year. So he was approaching dud territory. Um, but, yeah, he, if he can move as your fourth, as your number four. It's a number four receiver in the NFL. You're not looking for a guy that's going to have 50 receptions. And, again, he can run. Presents a problem. If he can run, that's a problem for, for most um, defensive backs. Do you think the Ravens go, you know, last year they, they blitzed quite a bit. Um, I think it was like 32 of Allen's 46 dropbacks. They blitzed him and it worked really well, but Josh Allen good against the blitz this year. Um, what have you seen of Josh Allen against the blitz and this Ravens defense? Do you think he's better equipped to handle it now than he was uh, a year ago when these teams met? Well, looking at the Ravens, Ravens, this is what the, this is. This is the Ravens defense. They're going to bring it at you. Pressure's coming. It's just depending on where it's coming from, but it's coming. Now, with Josh handling the blitz, he's had a year to understand the recognition of blitzes. He's done an awesome job of setting his protection for the blitz and also understanding where his hots are. And when he does have to hold on to the ball, I mean, you got to bring it because that's a big man. And he knows how to extend plays. And this year, when he's extending plays, he's making plays. He's just not tucking the ball and running. He's tucking the ball and looking for the explosive play down the field. So now that's the added part of his game, that dimension that going down when they scored, that was supposed to be a run for him. But he's playing so heady right now and so, and so ahead of the game that he found uh, the tight end in the back of the end zone and just flipped it to him. So being a, a a pressure team and going against a guy like that, now you got to cross your finger and say, if we don't get to him and he gets out of the pocket and he's throwing it to one of those dangerous receivers, now there comes a problem. So you got to change it up on Josh. It's not just the, the young guy that you can just send the house at him anymore and he hasn't figured it out yet and you're going to get him flustered. Now this is more of a savvy veteran Josh that's playing the game at a high level. I wanted to ask you, Gerald, about tight end coverage. Uh, the Bills had trouble with uh, Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox uh, on Saturday, and now they're going up against uh, the Ravens. They have really talented tight end play. Uh, Mark Andrews, of course, a pro bowler last year and probably a pro bowler again this year if he doesn't deal with some injuries. But he's back. He's healthy. He's dangerous. Um, what I guess what caused the Colts 
to do so well with their tight ends on Saturday. And what are the, can we just say, because the Colts were a problem, the Ravens are a problem too, or, or was there game planning? Uh, there's a lot of different parts that play off each other. So I wanted to ask you with your scouts eyes, what you saw there. Well, there's two parts to this, right? So a, you have Phillip rivers is the better throw of the football than the guy that's coming in this week. So he was putting the ball in, in some pretty good spots. And Jack Doyle is a big man. Like the last play against um, Fredavious, when it's a third and seven, and he just boxed him out. That's his big on little, and that's going to win all day. Um, Mo Ali Cox making those plays. A couple of those balls just went over the fingertips of Micah Hyde. And a couple of those went through the hands of Jordan Poyer. So you say, you know what, an accurate throw, didn't throw it with that much of a degree of difficulty. Those plays are going back the other direction. But I don't believe that they pose that much of a threat as tight ends. And being a pass receivers, that was just the Colts playing their A game and the Bills playing their C game, and still the Bills won. Sometimes you have those days at the office. What do you think about um, Greg Roman as a play caller and and what that chess match will be like between Roman – and the, the defensive play callers, um, you know, Leslie Frazier and when Sean McDermott decides to, to, you know, get involved there as well as he occasionally does. How do you feel like Greg Roman stacks up to those guys? I want to make a point, though, for people who listen and maybe they come in and out and they're not entirely, totally, they don't know all of Gerald Dixon's background, is that Gerald Dixon has worked with Greg Roman briefly. Right. Maybe too briefly. <laughs> maybe too long maybe too long <laughs> Nah, just the right time Greg Roman was Rex Ryan's offensive coordinator for about six minutes uh a few years back it was a full year no it's about know, a year a year and two games I know I just games. it feels uh <laughs> the man the man was sacrificed right good word so G Rose offense at that time was not the same offense as he's running with Lamar right now. So you didn't see a lot of the – it's triple option offense. You didn't see a lot of the, the zone reads and the power reads and the quarterback run offense. It was a traditional offense that Greg Roman was running with Tyrod at that time. But when you, when you watch the Baltimore Ravens, there's not a lot of adjustments, fellas. They do what they do, and they just keep doing it over and over again. It's not like you say, okay, they stopped the run. We're going to go to the pass. No. You're going to go power, power, zone read power. And now that you stop that, they're going to bring the receiver out the backfield, I mean, around, and they're going to flip it to them like they did against Tennessee. That's their answer. So it's not a bunch of adjustment that, she's gonna, that G. Rose going to make. This is going to bring it at you. And if you can stop it, stop it. And if you can't, good luck. What did you think of him when you worked with him, Gerald? You know, G. Rose was all right with me. I never had any problems with him. And, and this is the way I look at it. And, and I'm going to be 100% honest with you like I always am. If I can't hire you or fire you, my opinion really doesn't count. So I just leave it just like that. What did you think of – it was it was viewed as a huge windfall when the Bills were able – obviously, retrospect, we look back, and the Rex Ryan era in Buffalo was not good for anyone. Um, except maybe Rex Ryan's accountant. Um, 
But when they hired Rex Ryan, they also got Greg Roman, who almost got the job. So it was viewed as, oh, my Lord, we got two for the price of one. We made a hire and we get the guy who came in second to um, it was and it, it obviously didn't work out. I guess. What do you remember of that? That feeling in the building of this is this is pretty impressive. Well, I'm always going back to it and say, if the general manager, head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach does not work together and they don't have any relationship, it's a tough mix to go in believing that you're going to have success. And from my knowledge, Giro and Rex never worked together. So it's almost like a mishmash of just putting two guys together and say, okay, figure it out and make it work. You know, that I don't know who wanted to hire Greg. I don't know if, Reg, if Rex wanted to hire Greg, but they just got put together and we all got to slap together in the bad uh, paint project and it came out bad. What did you think of Lamar Jackson leading into that draft? Um, a weird draft. Everybody talked about how good the quarterbacks were. Three of them are still left uh, right. in this these AFC playoffs. Lamar kind of felt like he got left out of the conversation with the top four and, you know, the results of the draft played that out where, where he went pretty late in the first round. What did you think of him then? And, and what have you thought about the way that he's developed in his first few years? Well, with Lamar, just looking at him and when you evaluated him, I think Baltimore got it right where you go in and you say, okay, this has to be a wholesale buy into this guy's skill set. You can't put him in a traditional offense and say it's going to work. Now, he's a better thrower. He was a better thrower in college than he's shown now in the NFL because in college with Bobby Petrino, they ran a traditional offense. It wasn't a, just a, a triple option zone read concept that he's running right now. So my thought process on him going in was, if you got this guy, you have to go all in on his skill set. Surround him with the talent that's going to make him better. You can't put him in a West Coast offense and say, okay, listen, get on the center. This is what you're going to do. Three-step, read through your progression, because that's not where it's, what, what the skill says. Skill set says it's going to work for him. So my whole opinion on him was, if you're not ready to change your entire organization, leave him alone. But if you're ready to buy in on this guy, this guy can be a, a generational talent like he's shown. How do you think he stacked up to the rest of the group with that caveat in mind of if you're not going to, switch your offense and buy in don't bother but how how'd you like them um relative to the other guys i think every team that drafted their quarterbacks got it right at that time like we can all go back in in in, in and say well you know josh allen is better take. than a b c and d but in our respect all the teams that picked the, those quarterbacks at that position got it right at that time even the Cardinals with Josh Rosen? I mean, the Cardinals, yeah. At that time, if you graded it out and said, I want to go to the traditional quarterback and play it out, yeah. Hey, I mean, the, Car the Cardinals go into it. You take Lamar Jackson. You have Lamar Jackson. You have Larry Fitzgerald. And at that time, did it, did it, John Brown was still out there. I don't know if John was still out there, but they, they were just coming from. John was in Baltimore, actually. Baltimore at that I think, time? Um, okay. Lamar's rookie year. But they, they had – I don't think they were set up for Lamar at that time. 
they had Mike McCoy as their offensive coordinator. Right. Um, Steve Kime as a first-year head coach. I mean, look, would have been a lot better than Josh Rosen. Uh, couldn't right. have been worse because the next year they switched to a guy not identical, but right. a guy that certainly has some of those similar skill sets. Maybe it took them a year to, to learn their lesson, I guess. But when you're going to it and you have McCoy as your offensive coordinator, now you got to say you got to totally switch your offensive game plan. Gerald, what's left for Josh Rosen? What do you what what's what would be your general what I mean you don't you got to see under the hood. I know you haven't worked with him directly, but XFL. Oh right, okay. Um, what what are you what's just your thought on what this guy has based on his skill set? Number one, obviously that's always important, but the fact that psychologically. And you get labeled once you've been through a few teams, you know, the market for his services is very small because there are a lot of teams that are just not even going to consider him. Um, And maybe you have a situation, you know, where you just need, I don't know. He's, he's got limited opportunity to, to resurrect his career. And even if he did have that opportunity, what do you think he's, he would be able to. I mean, at the end of the day, when I did him, he can be a backup quarterback, a serviceable backup quarterback. Nate, Pe- Nate Peterman is still in the NFL, fellas. Everyone needs a backup quarterback. Yeah, but no, I guess I mean beyond that. I mean, this guy clearly did not come out of college as a you know, future career backup. But that's what he is. So whatever, like what you show is what you are. And you can't make somebody into what they're not. And you think Kyle Shanahan can fix him? No, I think this guy's a backup quarterback moving forward. Do you think the Cardinals made a mistake then? I mean, you said you that it worked out for them. They just didn't they just didn't grade him properly, or is that one of those things that you just don't know until he gets there? Until he gets it into the and gets in the NFL and goes up against NFL talent. One of those scouting mysteries that you just have to account for. All right. Uh, so I wasn't in there there they're building and what they were looking for. But like I've always said, if you draft Lamar Jackson and you aren't ready to go all in on how he's going to play the game moving forward, then you leave that guy alone. So in their opinion, they, they believe that Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen can throw the football. You just have to have a clean pocket, right? And everything has to be right. Which that necessarily doesn't work in the NFL because rarely do you have a clean pocket and everything goes right. So there, the the fact that they went with him over Lamar, a lot of people would have done that the same thing, because Lamar has a, a a way of playing the game that everything has to be right as well. Like the Baltimore Ravens, the way they're set up, is perfect for Lamar. Very good defense, can run the ball, receivers are blah, and they don't pass the ball, so. You can't take that and put it into 31 other teams. Lamar is specific for that group of players and that team. Well, why do you think, I guess, put it this way, why do you think more teams aren't willing to look at a guy like Lamar Jackson? Not like guys like that come around very often. Look at a guy like that and say, all right, this guy's special. Let's figure out what we do. Let's make that work. I mean, you were in a – you were in a building that decided not to do that, that decided not to look at the guy and say, you know, and obviously what, you know, the bills did worked out. Um, and to some extent they had to mold what they did around Josh Allen as well. Um, right. 
But why do you think more teams weren't willing to look at Lamar Jackson at what he did in college, at the type of talent he was and say, yeah, let's figure out something to make this work here because he's rather than taking a guy that ended up being a, as you put it, career long backup. It should be noted, at least from appearance sake, it seems as though Bill Polian's career at ESPN ended because he, he thought Lamar Jackson was a, a wide receiver. And then Lamar Jackson does what he does. And I think that was about the time that, all right, we, we, we maybe can handle you calling Chad Kelly the best quarterback in the 2017 draft. You know, wink, wink. Uh, we can handle your revision, revisionist history on Peyton Manning and, uh, and Ryan Leaf and where you had time, that you had a first-round grade on Tom Brady. We can – but when you start going to the mat about Lamar Jackson and he can't be an NFL quarterback and he turns into an NFL quarterback, I think ESPN about that time was like, eh, it's probably time, Bill. <laughs> to, uh, you know, yeah, maybe knock it off. We got, maybe show yeah. yourself. <laughs> we're we're going to, we need Steven. Uh, we're going to give Stephen A. Smith a little extra airtime during the week instead of give him a show or two, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I didn't mean to, de- I didn't mean to derail. No, 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 no. You need a good, but laugh. that's kind of, it's, it speaks to what Matt's talking about. There were right. teams, you know, there was a belief out there that he couldn't, not only that he wasn't good, good enough to be a, be your team's franchise quarterback. He wasn't good enough to even play the position in the right. NFL. Right. So, again, a lot of people miss on that one, right? But my, one of my biggest problems, even when I was coaching, or coaches tend to always ask players to adjust and be think outside of the box and be uncomfortable to be comfortable. And rarely do coaches actually get outside of their box and become uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the bigger problems in the evaluation um, standpoint and also the coaching aspect. And there's times that there's just people that just take, does not need your scheme. Your scheme needs to fit them, their particular skill set. And rarely do you have coaches that would adapt to the player rather than the players adapt to them. That's why you have more successful football players and less successful coaches. I want to remind everybody that Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by Shampo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions. CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to uh, request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, Gerald, write this down, 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. Uh, In the spirit of CTBK with mergers and acquisitions, I think we can all say that the Stefan Diggs acquisition uh, had the most impact on the bills this year. Um, do you have uh, a number two? Is there a number two? What's the closest number two acquisition for the Bills? Man, that's a good one. Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams yeah, played in. I mean, to oh, shore down that right tackle position. Man, the, he's the, played the, his the tail off. Especially with Mitch Morse being unavailable and all the you know, different shuffling that you had. Uh, you didn't. You couldn't rely on 
Cody Ford. Recovered Josh Allen's fumble in the fourth quarter. That's the biggest play of the year. That's a that 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 man deserves whatever Bills Mafia got to give. That was it. Is that a skill or is that just being in the right place at the right time? Sure, want to. He was not going to allow that ball to go to anybody else. And you saw when he picked it up. I don't care if anybody would have jumped in there. Gorilla would have jumped in there and tried to rip it from him. Daryl wasn't having it. I don't think it comes down to um, I obviously want to plays into it, but I, if I can take it a step further. The want to gives you a chance. There are some players that don't have a chance. When that play, not all 22 players on that field had an equal chance at that ball. And I don't mean where it was on the field. I mean just in terms of between the years of I'm going to go get that. Now, sometimes a guy will come up with the fumble. We saw it with the Browns game last night. The guy's got to run 40 yards to get to it. Right. Um, and he doesn't know when he starts that sprint towards that loose ball 40 yards away, he has no idea that he's going to have a, even a shot at it. Right. But he's making that 40-yard run, and you see that end zone camera view. There are a lot of guys who aren't running after that ball. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's not just about – all right, so having the want to at least got him to 50-50. Right. And um, the rest of it's just being back there. Yeah. But no, that was, that was a huge play. And that's one of Josh, you know, Josh is going to give you one. That's just the one. He's going to give you one a game. Hopefully it comes in the first quarter, not the fourth, but you're going to get one. <laughs> that was your classic, you know, Bill's moment, right? Uh, if the, fan, the fans Josh were waiting moment. for it. Josh moment. Yeah, but it's like we don't deserve nice things moment. Yeah, you know, like uh, we got this game all wrapped up. All we got to do is, oh, shit. You know what, Tim? I'm, I'm going to put a pause on that. I'm going to say that old thinking went out the box once you got your franchise quarterback. Once you got a guy that's a top five quarterback. Not from yeah. the fans. Listen, you better start thinking that way. Because well, that's going to take some time. It's like I'm the big freighter in the middle of the ocean. It takes a long time to get that thing turned around. And you can have a franchise quarterback that throws the game away sometimes. There's been guys that have been like that. Like who? Brett Favre, Jim Kelly. I mean, I guess that makes the point for you that you would make that trade. But there are the gunslinger types. You know, Josh Allen, as good as he is, can still make an ill-advised decision at the end of the game that will cost you the game as good as he played for the whole rest of the game. And I think there's other good quarterbacks that had that trait. Joan, I'm going to give it to you like this. Russell Wilson in the Super Bowl. Right. I'm going to give it to you. I, 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 in, in that one play, I'll take his career over it. But I'm going to give it to you like this. The Bills got beat on special teams. The Colts' defense played better. 99.9% .9 of the Colts' offense played better. But that one guy came through and delivered. He won the game because of Josh. The Colts played their A game. Bills played a C game, and you still won because of one guy. So, the receivers even had some uncharacteristic drops. I mean, Steph Diggs, Diggs had, had a ball two. sail through his hands. Had two. John Brown had one. Yeah. I mean, there, go ahead. No, I, I, there were drops for both teams. I was wondering if there was something with the sun or the wind, why there were so many drop passes in that game. I guess it doesn't matter now, but something I noticed. Nah. I mean, sometimes Josh throws a, a hot fireball that can get through your hands a little bit. It's tough. But T.Y. Hilton didn't have a great day. The one that went through uh, Diggs' hands early in the game was Josh Allen throwing out of the shade into the sun. Uh, the sun wasn't in Diggs' eyes, but, you know, that 
you know, they always talk about it during baseball, you know, the, the, the shadows start coming out and, right. and the pitcher is uh, throwing out of the sun and the, and the batters in the, in the shade. And it, it yeah. can just be a, that little thing that distracts. Those hands are worth six millions a piece. Six the, million bills, piece. the bills might've won the game because of a drop pass. I mean, it was a tough catch to make, but Pittman in the end zone, that one went through his hands. He no, he overshot it. I think it's a no, no he overshot right, but if he can make that catch, it bounces off his hands. No, so Philip got to make a Philip got to make a better throw. That's those are two throws that I saw that Philip missed. That third and seven and that fourth down play. But like like I said, it's the playoffs, and when a team plays their best game, and you play your average game and you still win, you're daggone good football team. The Bills are a good football team. Just accept it. That's what it is, Bills Mafia. You're a good football team with a franchise quarterback, with a good head coach, good general manager, and you're ready to make a run. Accept it. Boast. Feel good about it. That whole, oh, woe, it's me. Them days are done. Just go with it. It's a part of it. It's called winning. What about one thing real quick? And this is a credit to the Bills probably. If you swap rookie kickers in that game, the Bills don't draft Tyler Bass. They have a different rookie kicker. I can't remember the name of the rookie kicker from Indianapolis. Blankenship. Yeah, you make that swap. Who wins that game? Who wins it? The guy that you draft. That's why you draft the guy. The guy was picked up in free agency. You draft guys that are good. But you you flip it. I mean, it's hindsight, right? How early is too early to draft a quarterback? To to draft a quarterback? Or a, a, a kicker. I'm sorry. I mean, if, if a guy can come in and, and win you games, I mean, the Raiders did it in the first round with, with what's my guy's name from? from Sebastian Janikowski. Janikowski from Florida State. So, again, I mean, if your team's ready to go and, and you're rocking. Mike Nugent was an early draft pick. Right. I mean, it, it, seemed, it seems as though you can get, all right, even if the guy's a future Hall of Famer, you can get a, still a pretty good one in the fourth or fifth round, but. Anyways, they, just a question. They believe that he can win games. Just, uh, in the sixth round, he banged through a 54-yard field goal, and that's one of the most difficult stadiums to kick in. Uh, understanding the win, playing the draw, that, that's a that's a difficult place to catch punts, to punt, and to kick in. If you haven't right, done Jer- it for a long time, it's, it's tough. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, before, uh, before we go, um, I know that this is incredibly difficult for you. Put your allegiance aside – even though it's all right behind you, anybody who's watching on YouTube right now, one, two, three, four of four of the five things behind your head right now are Alabama related. Um, what, it, what are your thoughts? If you can put your rooting interests aside and look at this ob- as objectively as possible, what are your thoughts on uh, the matchup against Ohio State? Better game than people expect. I don't think people are giving Ohio State enough credit. Let's take a step back. What did you think going into the Clemson game? How much did you – I mean, could you have have seen Ohio State handling Clemson like that? Tim, I'm on record. You can go look this up. I had Buckeyes winning easily. Why was that? They're a better team. Better players up front. The only player that's better than, than, than when you even it all out is a quarterback on Clemson's team. But the quarterback on Ohio State team, Justin, played as well, if not better, than Trevor. Right? They beat Clemson up up front. 
Defensively, their secondary is better than Clemson's. And Clemson's does not have many playmakers on the outside like they used to at the receiver position. So at the end of the day, if both teams were out there and they were healthy, which Ohio State has not been all year because of what we're all going through, the Buckeyes is a better team. And I think uh, the head coach for Clemson knew that. Don't know if he wanted to play him. All right, so how does Ohio State then match up against your alma mater? That's a difficult matchup for anybody in the country right now, the way that the Crimson Tide is rolling. I'm not going to give any score, but whatever the line is, I think Ohio State plays it closer than the line. One score. You don't know what the spread is? No, I don't get into that. I don't even know how to bet that stuff, man. I wish I did. It's all dice with you? It's a dice. What about cards? Are you a cards guy? Yeah, if I can control it, I'll do it. But <laughs> If you can control it. Yeah, if I can control it, I'm going to do it. I don't bet on a team that I'm not playing with or I don't have any affiliation with. But, hey, Gerald. Yes, sir. I think Bills fans like to watch games like this. Is there anybody that you see as a possible late first-round pick, second-round, third-round pick, that it could possibly be somebody that the Bill scouts could be watching closely in this game? You talking about the greatest university on earth with players? You know how you know who's had the well, most draft yeah, picks so, in the last in the last ten years, John. You can you just comb through the the roster and just get you. No, I'm messing with you. No, no, their their players are all over the place on there. You got Najee Harris as a running. There's back. a there's a good chance that Alex there will be at least a, a few one future Bill on the field tonight, right? Between both teams. Oh yeah. Right, but I also think I read that I think there was a mock draft had six Alabama guys going before the Bills might even pick. Wow. I don't know if that's too fine of a point to make, but is there a late first round, late second round guy that you think, you know, to, if you're a fan watching the game, keep your eye on because he might be a Bill? Or is that Anyone too hard to project? I think it's too hard to project, but if, 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 you, if you move on from Daryl Williams and Alex Sutherwood is out there, that's a good, that's a good find for an offensive lineman, a, a tackle. I know the last guy that, that the Bills drafted from Alabama in the second round didn't turn out that well, as well as we expected, Tyrus, I mean Cyrus Colangelo. But Alex Leatherwood would, would be a solid get if you can't resign your right tackle. And that's the left tackle for Alabama, number 70, for anybody listening. Anybody on the Buckeyes? Do they, have, they don't have as many pros, but they probably got a lot. I don't know where that receiver is going to go. Olave? too, but I like him a lot. I think he's pretty good. And in the guard, hey, it's pretty good as well, too. One thing I should ask before we wrap this up, we talked all about the Bills and the Ravens. Um, Gerald, what are your thoughts on the other AFC matchup, Cleveland and Kansas City? And based on what we saw from Cleveland last night, first off, that was a lot. It was a fun to watch. Uh, and thankfully, it turned into a game or at least had some intrigue towards the end the Steelers were able to climb back into it I was looking forward to watching that game all day and at the end of the first quarter I was you know scouring through eBay you know looking <laughs> I was just like poking I was I was I lost interest I was disappointed um but the Browns seem to be hitting on some cylinders it, it's it was not unlike watching the Bills in right. something like they're out there having fun it seems like everything's working uh, no matter what they try, so they seem to be able to, you know, they, they did have some issues, I think, second and third quarter with their, you know, staying on the field, um, converting third downs. Um, 
But if you're a Bills fan, I know as a player, they're, you're, you're concentrating on the Ravens. But if you're a Bills fan wondering if they can make it to the Super Bowl and what you have to get through in the AFC Championship game, I think Nick Chubb reminded a lot of people that, you know, the Bills – it, it's a it might be a pick your poison situation with who you want to play and no the, I know what poison I want Tim you give me the give me Cleveland's poison I, that 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 Kansas City poison is that's gonna get you killed <laughs> but if that, Cleveland beats be Kansas City if Cleveland shows it's good enough to beat Kansas City which is probably gonna have to be a shootout that means that you know there's there's no easy out you know the Bills no. are the Bills are anyways I'll just leave it there what are you what are your thoughts on on Kansas City, Cleveland. I'm gonna take Kansas City, just because the way that Cleveland's gonna try to play the game and running the ball and keeping Kansas City off the field. At some point, you're gonna have to score 30 points. And even though they did score 48 points last night, that was, majority of that was off turnovers and 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 early in the game it was 28 short nothing. fields, short fields, right? But the only other thing is when you look at that game, you got to say Cleveland's offensive line wasn't even put together last night. They had guys that they put off the street. Michael Dunn was off the street. Um, Conklin was hurt for the most – and they still ran the ball down, down Pittsburgh's throat and beat Pittsburgh pretty bad. But long story short, I'm going to take Kansas City landslide. They bust them up pretty bad. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. You don't think it's going to be close? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Just like I'm not, I, I'm not sweating about the Ravens game either. To beat Kansas City and Buffalo, you got to get close to 30, 35 points. Playing keep away is the best chance. The, the, that's the best thing that the Colts did. And, and for Cleveland, good luck. Because at some point, Baker's going to have to show up and play big boys game instead of turning around and hand the ball off. And when you get Ravens in the playoff. have shown that they can score a lot of points, though. 47 against Cleveland in week 14, 40 points against, well, it was against Jacksonville in week 15. You know, the, well, I'm going back to week one, I guess 38 against Cleveland there. The Ravens had the best point differential in the AFC this year. So they put up points. Yeah, the Ravens are scary good, man. But it's just something about throwing the football when you need to throw it in the playoffs. Says something about your team. And if you can't just do that or majority of the time or the time that you need to it's hard for me to put my thumb on and said you are you're going to be a successful team because even though everything happened perfect for the ravens the game was still 13 to 20 i don't think that's going to win many games in 2021 they were down 10 nothing so it wasn't perfect game script every that, that was their thing right they couldn't play from behind they couldn't dig themselves out of a hole and they Ten- did 10 nothing and the other team only scored three more points. That's right. That's still that's still football. I'm I'm talking about if you're down 14 nothing and another team is still coming. Right? So you can be down 14 nothing and the other team only scored three points after that, but if you're you're in a shootout, yeah, you're going to have to put up points. You're going to have to be able to to throw the ball down the field. Here's a stretch of Baltimore Ravens uh stats for you. This is total yards. Week 14 at Cleveland, 385 yards. Week 15 against Jacksonville, 409 yards. Week 16 against the Giants, 432 yards. Week 17 against the Bengals, 525 yards. Wild card against uh, Tennessee, 401 yards. 
So one, two, three, four, five, six weeks in a row, they've had at least 385 yards. Um, that looks like, to me, an offense that is uh, doing pretty well. How many points did they score? Average points. What's that? What was the average points? Points, well, I can, uh, let's see, from 14, I'll give you from 14 to wild card. 47, 40, 27, 38, and then 20. Okay. You got a game then, fellas. Got a game. It's I a might fun watch matchup. It. It's I a might fun watch matchup. It. Yeah, I'm going to carve out some time for it. If yeah. there's, I mean, the one good thing is that there's no other NFL game on at that time. Otherwise, you know, so I'll probably watch it. College football <laughs> will be over. Hockey will have started, though. Hey, so. hey, Jonah, you know what I can't get into? And I, w- I want to get into so bad. College basketball has been awful. What's going on? Uh, you know, it's stilted. The games have been on and off. And certain teams, like Gonzaga, is very good. They were off for a couple of weeks. I mean, I've watched some games I found entertaining. I mostly watch local teams. But I get what you're saying. It feels the atmosphere like, is terrible. It feels like preseason. Yeah. yeah, it feels like this doesn't matter so much, and we're just waiting for either March or – But there's no uh, madness. You know, the, the COVID situation to get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there's never madness at this time of year. But no, in March, and, and I think the there was some madness last March. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. <laughs> well, the NBA, too. The NBA More madness than I could handle. That's sadness. Sure. March sadness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the NBA is always like this at the beginning. Like, no one I think Gerald's just it. got a problem with, you know, I mean, college basketball is never going to be all that much fun when you're a Bama guy. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I get into basketball. I love basketball. I love basketball. Is enjoying Mike Rodak's coverage of Alabama, of by the way? It's, you know what? Now, here, here's what I'm going to say to you, Jonah. When Gonzaga is a number one ranked team. Yeah, I got a problem with that. I and guess, we, but Gonzaga's can, been a top five team consistently right. for a long time now. Yeah, I, I, I want to see Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, Maryland, like the fun schools. Like Gonzaga's not fun. They got guys that two of them can dunk. I, I mean, it, if you can't dunk or, or shoot shot from the logo, I don't really even want to watch it. I mean, Gonzaga's got the best player in the country, maybe. He's just talking about one too many white guys. Is that what you're saying, Gerald? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just, <laughs> just saying if I want to watch a structured basketball game, I can. I can. I mean, are you on. saying uh, I? You didn't mention Duke in there. You said Kentucky. No, Duke's in there. Duke's in there. Oh, you said Duke. All yeah. right, they got yeah. a lot of white guys. Yeah, but I mean, is Duke playing yet? They took a little pause there for a while. Are they back? Yeah, like who, who's, the women are not playing for the rest of the year. That's tough. It, I'm just saying basketball is just tough. When I have to look at that guy from Iowa, play basketball and Luke Garza. Oh, that's Can what you jump? like about college basketball: guys that maybe can't work in the modern NBA but are still bruisers and play the game. I he's actually probably my favorite player to watch in the country. I think Gerald's racist. <laughs> I can't be, man. You got to take my family out. <laughs> Garza. It's an impossible one. Yeah, I, I can't. Are you? I can't. Hey, wait. Yeah, here's a test. All right. Do you mean to tell me that Big Country Reeves was not a great basketball player that was fun to watch? I cannot watch Big Country and be perfectly fine. <laughs> Tyler Hansborough. Did you like him? Listen, no, <laughs> no. I mean, it's. I, I can't watch it. I, I want to. I want to get in it so bad, but 
I like seeing NBA players play in college. Christian Leitner. I know if you pivot to love the mic, you got a Christian Leitner jersey love over there. Cherokee love Parks. Uh, Everybody loves Steve Nash. Nah. Not Gerald, I guess. No. Nah, listen, I stopped watching the NBA for about three years. Keith Van Horn? No. When, when Steve Na Nash won the MVP in the NBA, that was the biggest sham ever. That was a joke. <laughs> I stopped watching NBA basketball for three years. The biggest years sham ago. ever. Yeah, that's a joke. It wasn't Enron. It wasn't. It wasn't Bernie Madoff. It was. It was Steve Nash. Oh, that was a complete joke, Jonah. Go. You go back. No, no, no. Look, Steve Nash probably. Steve Nash shouldn't have been a back-to-back -back MVP, and it, it cost Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant specifically probably MVPs that they should have won. But easily, Steve Nash should have been in the top two of the MVP voting, top two or three in both of those seasons, as well as the season following that. He was almost better the next season. Like Steve Nash was an MVP candidate all of the years he won an MVP. But looking back historically, maybe Shaq should have gotten that first one. Kobe should have gotten that second one. Come on. Uh, listen, even us talking about this right now, I'm, I'm kind it's of ra it, Gerald's racist. No, I can't be. I'm Gerald is against white basketball players. Mm -mm. I want to go back, though. He's like, he's clearly uh -huh. hates all of the white basketball players we mentioned, except Christian Leitner. He was like, love him, my favorite. Because <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris can play. Chris Heron, player. I just don't like guys that can't jump and can't shoot from the logo. It's just, I mean, Garza, oh. Is he going to play in the NBA? Is he Jaleel Okafor? He won't is be as good as he is in college, and I, I wonder – how much he'll play. What could, but he could be as good as one of the three or four Plumleys that are in the league. Can't jump. That shot's going to get beat to the ground. Who's he going to defend? Look, he's a big body that can put the ball in the basket. I mean, he can You get know where those guys floor. are? They're in Europe. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. I, I mean, he's going to get into the NBA. He's going to you know, be in there for a few years. We'll see how good he is. He, what he needs to do is you need to go watch some big four basketball when it's safe when the pandemic allows it. And so you can see the likes of Darren Fenn, Mark Bortz, friend of the show, by the way, Mark Bortz. Uh, who else we got? Um, who else came out of the, the big four that, uh, that would impress Gerald? Are we only talking big white guys? Jonah, let <laughs> yeah, me ask you a question. What is, 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 is Garza Adam Morrison all over again? No, because they're different kind of players, and Adam Morrison. I'm just saying, impact in the NBA. Very slow, right? Impact in the NBA. Think, I think Tyler Hansborough. They're different, but Tyler Hansborough is probably a good comparison. A guy who dominated college basketball, came into the NBA and didn't, couldn't dominate, but was an effective player in a role for a little while. Okay. I don't even know who this guy is, but I'm going to start watching him, just sending videos to Gerald every night. Football on the Listen. Big Ten Network and just Luca Garza. <laughs> yeah, have you I ever mean, seen molasses get poured out? He's slow. Poor he's molasses. slow, but he's yeah. big and he can score and he can rebound. I think if there's a there's a ceiling where he could be about as good as Kevin Love if he lost weight and got. Well, there you go, Kevin Love. I don't think he love will Kevin. hit that, but I think he could be that type. Of Wait, did Gerald just say he loves Kevin? What'd you say about oh, Kevin? That's my, yeah, Kevin Love's my guy. I like Kevin. Oh, we've he's had a, a breakthrough. Basketball player. I like basketball, but I don't like. Sloth. Remember, Kevin move. Love coming out of UCLA was a big fat center that didn't move very well. Outlet uh, passes were his best uh, skill. Jonah, that's where you and I disagree again. Kevin Love was a skilled basketball player. Right, and that's right. why he became what he was. But he changed his body and his game considerably in the NBA. 
Kevin was always able to shoot from the perimeter. All of, future Hall of Famer, Kevin Love. Yeah, pass the ball. Very high. Um, We've had that discussion before on the radio show. I, I disagree Love. with you 100%. I, I, I get it comparison. that he uh, – sorry. And I'm still holding you to, to this um, – what's your what's the guy named? The guy in Milwaukee, the, the spinning dunker. You, you, you're all step guy. I'm still looking for this guy. To be honest? Yeah, I'm still looking for him. I'm still looking for him in the playoffs. I can't wait. Can't wait, Jonah. You and I are going to have this debate again. Me too. I got to see more from him in the playoffs too. He's going to win back-to-back-to-back MVPs, and he's going to win back-to-back-to-back getting out the playoffs in the first round. I can't wait. Jonah, uh, we're going to end this uh, podcast now so you can move your tree back. And uh, one last time, I want to remind everybody, hey, let's see if Gerald, Gerald, just stream of consciousness, how many key phrases – from being on the show for now, what, two, three months, whatever it's been, how many key phrases you can pull from the CTBK promo read? Uh, what, what, what comes out? Oh, man. I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah. I'll give you a zero. I got nothing for you, Tim. Has, have, have you guys memorized the number just from hearing it? There's some assurance, taxes, litigation uh, involved. Yes. Mergers and acquisitions. Yes. Personal relationships with clients. Personal connection. Yes. Listen, listen, Matt was a guy that I sat next to in college. Matt, I like you. That's good. 630-2400. I can tell you that right off the top of my head. Look at that. But let me give everybody a reminder. Let's make sure we have every fact just so. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in where, Gerald? Jamaica. Amherst. 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 CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on what? Insurance. Mergers and acquisitions. CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, quote, call 716-630-2400. I got, I know the 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and where? Beyond. Beyond. (laughs) Look at that, man. Matthew Matt. Fairburn was necessary, is what Gerald's saying. People Gotta like Matthew him. were necessary have for Alabama to graduate as football players. Got to have them. I'm talking <laughs> about 4.0. Hey, guys, thanks. And uh, we'll talk uh, again next week when we preview, according to Gerald Dixon, Bills and Chiefs. Roll Tide.